from the Gospel of John, 16, 16 through 24. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Keely. Well, thanks for, for being here today. I could hear everybody singing, and I could hear you all singing. I could hear the voices coming, uh, and it's so beautiful to worship the Lord. It seems like it's an easy day to worship, isn't it? I mean, it's just the Lord is here and present. Well, today I titled this sermon, The Lord Really Led Me to It. I'm talking about joy, and since it's resurrection, I wanted to talk about resurrection joy. And as you see in this text, kind of maybe a journey through sorrows and death to joy. And it's kind of like the journey of our lives. We, we have these situations, and this all happened in the last uh, week of Jesus' life. Some people see the Gospels as being passion narratives with extended introductions. So the passion narrative, most of the Gospel is written about the last week of Jesus' life. That kind of blew my mind when I started looking through and seeing that. And in our text today in John chapter 16, you can go all the way back to John 12, and Jesus begins the last week of his life. Sometimes the end of our life is greater than the beginning, isn't it? And what Jesus was going to do in this last week uh, was going to be the most important thing that had ever encountered the world and the whole universe. Luke here, uh, well, just the Gospel of Luke spends a couple of chapters on the first 12 years of Jesus' life and six chapters on Jesus' final week and two whole chapters on the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. Uh, So when we celebrate Holy Week or we celebrate Easter and make big things of it, we make much of Jesus on this day, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a glorious thing. So when we want to do special things this day, I think it's great. I think it honors Christ. But sometimes if we go from Palm Sunday 
to Easter. We see the celebration of the king and the celebration of his resurrection. We miss out on that passion. We miss out on all that happened in that week, the betrayal of Judas, you know, the deep heartaches, the sorrows, and, and, and the mob screaming, crucify him, and the pain of the scourging, his obedience all the way to death, even death on a cross. And we, we miss that mourning part. I, I like missing the sorrowful part, don't you? <laughs> I like, okay, and I think maybe a lot of us do. We want to we hit the highlights, but Jesus doesn't want us to do that. I, I think he really wants us to experiences, uh, experience the depth of sorrows. And I know we have the kids in here today that don't have children's church. And uh, do any of you kids um, watch any of the Marvel comics things, like any of the superheroes? You know, I, I know that's a big thing a lot of times, sometimes not. Well, there's a... <laughs> All right. So I, I, do, I do have a crowd. I, I'm actually one of those, too, as I watch them with Samuel and we get into it. And my sons are in their 30s, and they get into it really heavily and start explaining all these things to me. Well, in the last Marvel comics, there is a character called Thanos. And I actually asked uh, Samuel, I said, do you know what, what Thanos means? And in all these movies, it's Thanos, and he gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger, and all the Avengers just can't seem to defeat him. And Samuel goes, no, I don't know what his name means. Well, in the Greek, and in Greek mythology, uh, Thanos means death. And so they're fighting against death itself, doom and destruction, and he is just ferocious. I mean, just all the strength of the, the Marvel comics can't seem to d- defeat him, and even together they end up losing uh, this battle in the Infinity War, and he death snaps his fingers and half of the Billions and billions of people just disappear, and uh, the Avengers, a lot of them are lost. And, and so in this uh, end movie called The End Game, it's so, so, you know, the anticipation of it was just huge. And uh, in the end, there's this fight against Thanos, and they're, 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 they're working on bringing back these Marvel comics from the dead to help defeat Thanos. And uh, we listened to some clips of people in the movie theater when off to the left, when Captain America's fighting and he's able to take um, Thor's hammer, the, the, the crowd just starts going crazy. And then off to the side, a portal opens. You know, we just love these things with supernatural power in them. And we don't like death. And we don't want it to be true. We, wanna, we want this victory. And, and it's like movies know this and they tap into it in a real way. It, and you hear these people in the movie theater. Now, these are the fanatics, okay? These are the people that are there for the first showing. No one else has seen it. If, you ever wanna, if you're into a movie, always go to that movie. Teresa and I have gone to a few of those. And it's the fanatics that don't care. They're talking. They're screaming. And you hear this guy go, look off to the left of Captain America. And this portal starts open. Time portal opens up. And the people that were dead from Thanos, especially the Avengers, start coming through this portal. Wakanda comes through it. You know, the, the Africans, the people from different tribes and nations and powers and their heroes. And they come back from the dead. And they defeat death. And the crowd in the movie theater makes a lot more noise than this crowd just did. <laughs> they go crazy. This is the fanatic crowd, not the later crowd that you go to and everybody's quiet and proper. I'm talking about the crowd that's been following the bread, all the background, the pre, everything. You know, they're just into it. They don't care. They're shouting and screaming, and this roar goes up. 
That's what we were doing today. It was like a roar going up saying, Jesus has defeated death. He's defeated Thanos. Okay, kids, stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me, everyone. Stay with me. Death is here. But look at this. Look at this, what Jesus is saying. He's trying to prepare them. And the first thing he tries to do, as you can see, there's a lot of confusion with this a little while. Because in a little while, he says, John 16, 20 through 21, we're going to throw scriptures up here. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Feeling that hope? Oh yeah, you're going to be sorrowful, but it'll be turned into joy. And then he gives this example in verse 21. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Hear that? The time has come. Her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. I mean, sometimes Teresa and I get together, we get a little crazy. You know, we can't, we're beyond, you know, that, that, that age and all. But we said, you know, because it's such a loving thing to bring a baby into this world. And I said, you know, sometimes just romantic, you know. Hey, baby, would you, you know, you have another baby with me? And she's like, she's like, she's like, Yes. You know, I would, you know. I mean, there's just this thing about bringing, we had four kids, and we had these beautiful grandkids, and, and we just love it. And it's sorrowful at the time. I, I was in there. It's, it's very sorrowful. It's very painful. And, and, and there's uh, just amazing. But when the baby comes, you just, it's just like, boom! It's just all gone. And, and not very long after that, it seems like you're ready to have another one. You know, I don't know about that, but we did that just right in a row. And after about the fourth one, because my parents had 12, you know, and I'm the, the last, you know, I mean, if my, my parents wouldn't have had 12 kids, I wouldn't be here. You know, I'm the last 12th kid of a family of 12. So um, we, we had four, and I remember my sister coming to me, and she goes, uh, you remember how hard it was with all the kids, right? We had 12 kids. You remember how hard it was? And I said, no. I said, I remember how fun it was. You know, it was great. Everybody came to our house of all ages, uh, you know, and we just constantly, it was a constant uh, party almost, uh, just games that you could play and dramas that we did and singing and music and just everything. It was great. There's that kind of joy in having this. And then Jesus is using this comparison to try to open up and say, out of great pain and out of great groans and of great sometimes agonizing screams with what life brings, uh, new life is on the way. A new life is on the way. And Jesus is trying to say that a little while is like that. Uh, you will be sorrowful. And when he says in verse 20, you will weep and lament, he is saying a sorrow unto death. Those two words, weep and lament, when he says you'll be sorrowful, and he says you will weep, it's talking about an agonizing weep. And when he says lament, lament is a word connected with death. He's trying to tell them you will go through deep sorrow. You will weep. And you will lament. And I think if they could have even had a clue of opening up their hearts to that, they would have understood the joy. But regardless of them not getting it, as we see previously in John 12, verses 23 through 24, Jesus answered and said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He's beginning to tell them all the way back there. And I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's telling them, I'm going to die. But my death is going to be a good thing. You're only going to sorrow for a little while. Through my death, so much life is going to come forth that it's going to bear much fruit. And in fact, it can't bear fruit unless it goes through this sorrow of death. It can't bring forth this grain of wheat unless it's buried in the earth and the outside shell of it actually dies and comes 
off of it before it can spring forth. These examples of new birth and a grain of wheat is Jesus trying to prepare his followers for the sorrows that are coming, a deep weeping and lament, a time of death. John 12, 27 says um, that my soul is troubled. What shall I say then? Father, save me from this hour, like the hour of the lady given birth. Shall he save me? No. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. See, Jesus is coming to his hour just like the woman is coming to the hour given birth. In John 12, 28, he says, Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Did you hear that? A voice came from heaven. There's very few times this happens. But a voice comes from heaven and says, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd stood there, heard it, and they thought it thundered. Was that just... What was that? Or was it an angel? I thought I heard words. I thought an angel had spoken to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. He's explaining his death as clear as he can. On a cross, being lifted up from the earth. And the crowd understands it here a little bit in verse 34. And they answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? See, they understand uh, about the Son of Man. And just like in our text, they're confused about a little while. It's just going completely over their head. They have no concept for, for, for death of the Son of Man. Because he's supposed to be on David's throne forever. He's supposed to establish this eternal kingdom. And, and they have no sense of understanding about death and resurrection. You see that in the text, right? They're, they're, Jesus even knows they're not getting it. And they're confused. But he's telling it for us and our sakes today also. And for the disciples who will get it later, right? They will get it. But now it's recorded and they don't get it. Why? About the Son of Man. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man because in Daniel... He refers to the Messiah as the Son of Man. In Daniel seven thirteen through 14, it records this. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. This is the Son of Man coming. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. That is, there is no end to it. It's everlasting. And which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So they're like, Who, what son of man are you talking about? Because the son of man that I know don't ever die. And he, he, he has a kingdom forever. This is the son of man. They knew their Bible really well. And, and they were confused because Jesus didn't seem to be telling the same good news story that they had grown up with. They're bewildered. In, in John 12, they're bewildered here in our text. That's the first, first point. The second is that Jesus promises, though, despite their lack of understanding, that a joy that no one can take from you I will give you a joy that no one will take from you. John 16, 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Isn't that great? Look at those last words. No one will take your joy from you. I want something like that. I want something like that real bad. And Jesus is guaranteeing it to me. And I'm like, I want that. I want a joy that nobody can take from me. I want this resurrection joy. And that's where I title this resurrection joy. 
But yet we have to go through that sorrow, that weeping, that lamenting. We have to see the cross of Christ, the death of Christ, and seeing and understanding the agonizing of the sorrow, that it will be turned into joy. He says, you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. Is that good? He's telling them this good news. Your hearts will rejoice. You'll see me again. In Luke 24, in Luke and John, first of all, in 2020, he says this. He showed them his hands and his side. Sound familiar? And the resurrected Jesus shows them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Don't you see that word, glad, for John 2020? Anyway, that's what it says. They were glad. Luke 24, 36 through 43 has this great same story as that. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, John 20, John describes it as showing him his hands and his side. And that day that Jesus said, when I'm gone, you don't see me. But when I see you again, you will have this joy and this joy that no one can take from you. That's the joy they were beginning to receive. It was on that day. It was in that day, in the day of his resurrection. They were glad. They saw the Lord. They couldn't believe it. They saw his hands and his side and they go, it's really him. He's bodily resurrected their, their mind. And Luke explains it in more detail in Luke 24, 36, 43. It says they were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Love the peace at this season too. But he says, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Like, this can't be him. It's got to be a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? Man, isn't that good? Jesus just knows what we're thinking, knows what's at the core of our heart. Hmm. He sees and he says, see my hands and my feet. So the same as John shows him his hands. And this, this Luke brings out his feet too where he's pierced and his hands and feet. And he says, touch me and see. Touch me, feel me. He says, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones like muscle and bones as you see that I have. I have them. Feel me, touch me. I'm not a spirit. He wanted to know the tomb was empty and he was bodily raised from the dead. This is powerful. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet and they Here's what ESV says. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Here's the the Marvel comics, (laughs) the Marvel heroes. They were marveling. They're trying to capture what's happening, and it's almost like it cannot be captured what they were experiencing, seeing someone that was dead, that was crucified, that was buried, that was laid behind a tomb that they hadn't seen for three days, dead, dead. Pierce crucified professionally by the Roman power of Thanos' death. Like, you do not get out of this. Nobody gets out of it. I don't care what. And they were marveling. You talk about a crowd erupting at a theater. They, they were so astonished that they just couldn't, their mind couldn't make sense of it. I can't believe, you know, it's just like, but their joy. It's like they disbelieved for joy. Like the joy was so intense, they couldn't handle it. Anybody want any kind of resurrection joy like that? I do. I do. I just want that joy. And this is the joy that Jesus said that they would have and that no one would take from them. They would never forget this. This is recorded for our sakes because they, they wrote, down, wrote this down. They went back and recorded it in the Gospels. And they went to, remember when Jesus appeared to us, let me write it down. Luke's saying, he writes it. John goes, what, what happened in that room? Were we glad? Yeah, and he showed us his hand and feet and they write it and they're recording it. And they're recording most of that last week 
of Jesus' life and the resurrection. The emphasis is there. Uh, uh, Philip's translation of Luke 24, 41 says, but they still could not believe it through sheer joy. It's just a weird thing to try to say. It's just like it was just so much joy. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. It can't be, but it was. Sheer joy. Whew, that's the kind of resurrection joy we need. Why can't this joy be taken from us? Why did Jesus say that it would not be taken from them and, and likewise to us who believe that that joy can't be taken? Because Jesus is alive forevermore. That's why. Because he's our joy. And if he is alive, and he is alive forevermore, and he is our joy, then our joy can never be taken from us. You see, Jesus is the only permanent joy. Our joy is being with Jesus, and because of the resurrection, his presence is always with us, and no one can take that joy from you. No one can sever that joy. No one can take it from you because Jesus is alive. And death doesn't even have the power to take it from you. In fact, not only are, well, well the resurrection mean that, that uh, Jesus never dies, it means that you will never die. Jesus never dies and you will, you will never die. No one will take your joy from you because that joy comes from being with Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus means that you will never die. You will never be cut off from him. Some might say, but, well, we do die, and yes, in one sense we do, but in the most important sense, that is the presence of Jesus being in our life constantly, that joy that a believer has in being with Jesus will never be broken, even by death. The, body, the, the Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's never going to be broken. That joy will never be taken from you, and I love that. I love that victory that Jesus knew he was going to accomplish for them. And he could say things like, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He could see the joy. And it was set before him and he could endure that amount of suffering for us because of the power of the cross and the power of his resurrection. So, what this uh, verse concludes in is this resurrection joy in prayer. John 16, 23 through 24 says this, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. And how does he end? that your joy may be full. You see what Jesus has accomplished and what he's telling them that he will accomplish? He not only says that the joy will never be taken from them, but that their joy will be, be full. And he talks about praying. You know, Jesus had taught them to pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven. But here he's saying after the resurrection, the joy, and there's nothing wrong with praying that, that prayer, but he's saying now there'll be a shift after the resurrection in our prayer life. He says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. But he says, truly, truly, I say, basically, this is how you'll ask. This is how you'll pray. Whatever you ask the Father, you will go to the Father, but you will ask in my name. He will give it to you. That is, that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he will open up this access to joy with our relationship with the Father where we can bring our needs into the throne room of his grace in complete 
righteousness of Jesus. We can go in there, and instead of seeing Bobby, my sin, my failures, he sees Jesus, and he says, welcome in. It's like Jesus is here, and he sees Jesus, and then I am accepted. I'm, I'm white, I'm holy, I'm in his presence, and I can ask the Father anything I want in and through Jesus, and I have it. It's mine, I have access. Jesus is saying, my death and resurrection, you'll sorrow, you'll weep, you'll lament, and you'll have such joy that can never be taken from you that when you ask in prayer this way, your joy is going to be full. And there's so many ways that that works. In our salvation, it works because we go to him and we say this, like in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart, listen to the saints, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the joy of your salvation. You believe in the resurrected Christ and you shall be saved. The joy of your salvation is one of the things that Jesus opened up for us. He said, you'll come to the Father and in my name and in prayer, and you'll be able to just pray. I, I, I confess Jesus as Lord, and I believe in my heart, God, that you raised him from the dead, and, and you can have that joy of your salvation. Your sins can be washed away. There's nothing more powerful than this. And, and yet we still struggle with sin, and David in the Bible struggled with sin. And when he struggled... And he fell into sin in Psalm 51. He prays this beautiful prayer. And and in verse 12 of the psalm, he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because he had fallen, and we fall, and we can come back through prayer right back into that throne room in Jesus. We can have that access. Jesus is saying, this is how the power of my death and resurrection is going to be. You're going to be asked, Father, in my name, come into my into the Father's presence through me and have such intimate access with me that whatever you ask, I'm going to give it to you and that your joy may be full. It has to do with, is it going to make you truly joyful, full in him? And these are the kinds of prayers that he asked. And David prayed in Psalms 139. He said, search me and know me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And try me and know my thoughts. I want to encourage us today in this resurrection day. This is the application. You know, your prayer life is powerful through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You can go to Jesus and ask him and and, and ask the Father in Jesus' name, search me. Search me, O God. And it can be kind of painful at times when he really starts digging in to things. And me studying this the last couple of weeks, I'd lay there at bed at night and I'd be kind of restless. And he'd go, be, how about you letting me search you? I don't know, you know, what you searching me, you know, really. I mean, I'm okay, God, you know, good, you know. And he's like, no, you know, and just laying there trying to go sleep. And he's kind of like, no, why are you, what are you upset about this for? I'm not upset. Oh, Okay. And then it kind of comes back, I think you're upset. I think you're angry. Well, no, 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 no. I think, let me go to sleep. Put on a little thing, try to, you know, and wake back up. Uh, you know, I think, would you let me just search your heart? You know, you can ask me anything. In Jesus' name, the Father's just tenderly calling and wooing and prayer. I think he does this to a lot of us. And I think a lot of times, you know, with me, 
And I think with us, you know, and the Scripture seems to confirm it, that our hearts are just hardened, hardened in the world, hardened due to sin, hardened uh, again. We've, in some senses, lost the joy of our salvation. And we just need to pray, restore that joy. Restore it. So much powers in this, in, in this verse where Jesus concludes that we need to be restored uh, to prayer, to make our lives full. And, and you know what happens? Just like at salvation, when you get real and you get humble, that humility in prayer. Because you know what Jesus is saying here? Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Do you know asking? Just asking. That's what prayer is. Asking is humbling. You know how we don't want to ask? Like, you know, we're lost and the directions aren't working and the Google's out here, you know. And there's this guy walking and he's a local and we're like, we're not going to pull over to ask him because we're going to look like idiots, you know. We don't want to ask, right? Because it's it's we're going to have to humble ourselves. Like, all right, I'm lost, you know, and I'm a tourist. And can you help me get to somewhere? Yeah, man, hey, go down here, you know. And it's, we're like that way with, with Jesus, you know. We're like, we're like that with the Father. We, we go to the Father and, 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 you know, we, we're to ask in his name. And, and a lot of times we just don't want to humble ourselves in prayer. And I pray today that if you want the joy, this full joy that he promises, joy that can't be taken from you, and it won't be. It won't be taken from you. He'll, he'll, he'll woo you with the Holy Spirit. He'll nudge at your heart. He'll, he's, you know, he's a gentleman, and he'll wait, and he'll keep saying, Hey, Bobby, are you, you know, you're not sleeping well. You know, you might really be angry about this. Won't you tell me about it? Then you start telling, I don't want to go through all this sorrow. I don't want to go all this. I don't want to pour my heart out. I don't want to go through the tears. And he goes, it'll, it'll help. Let's go through it. You'll weep now, and you'll sorrow for a while. But joy is right around the corner for you. Let's do it. And, and we pray. And it's not always easy. But in the end, the weight is lifted off. The, the anxious heart, like, he, like David said in Psalms, search my anxious heart. It's anxious, and I don't even know necessarily what's causing it. I don't know why I'm, I'm down or depressed or mad or angry or anxious. And he goes, I do. I do. Let me search your heart. Be still. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, and I'm so anxious, you know, and, I, and I'm coming out with whatever dream or something I'm having, and I just like, I don't even want to lay there. I just fly out of bed and go, let's get going. Because I don't want to be thinking about that. You know what I mean? Or maybe something somebody said or a quarrel or a little fight or a little, eh, you know, and you're just like, we don't want to take the time. But we lose our joy if we don't. Those sorrows, if we're not willing to go through the sorrow and just admit and be honest and humble yourself. Dang it, Lord, I'm, it hurt. Hurt when that person says it. And I, you know, it goes around in my head when I don't think about it and it makes me you know, feel bad, and I just, I'm just honest, or, or, you know, when I did that, you know, it was wrong to me, and I got to go tell them, I don't want to do that, and, and I think Resurrection Day is a day to allow the Lord to search our hearts in prayer, and that's what Jesus concludes in this text, well, you ask the Father in Jesus' name in prayer so that your joy might be full, if that's the end of it, if he can lift that weight, if he can lift that angst, if he can lift that anger, if he can lift it, if he'll lift it and take all that weight off you, wouldn't your joy be better? Wouldn't your joy be full if he can empty that out and replace it with the joy of his new life and resurrection? As we uh, sing this last song, as the 
band become, uh, comes, comes back up and the worship as we continue it in this last song. I just want us to be thinking about that. And if you have some things that you would like somebody to pray, we, we have this all the time. Usually a uh, rifle uh, can be over here. Uh, if Karen, is Karen still here or is she not here? She had to leave. So we were praying for Karen because her daughter was in an accident. And uh, just last night, you know, uh, these days don't stop things like that from happening. And so we pray for her. But rifle will be up here. And uh, if you need prayer or if you want to just pray while you're worshiping right where you're at, that's great. But if you want somebody to pray with you, uh, come and, and, and pray with White Rifle as we sing in this next song. Let us worship. Amen. Yes, let us stand. Hallelujah. Are you all thankful for the, for the music today? Amen. Let's give him a hand. Again, you're invited to a, a meal afterwards if you don't have plans, but we'll, we'll have a meal together right now uh, before you leave. And in front of your seats is a, a little communion element. It looks like this. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and want to celebrate this meal with us, and I don't know, musicians, uh, if you want to take with us, partake with us. But in the bottom is a little piece of bread. If you open it up, it'll fall out. This is the communion. It's a time of remembering all that the Lord has done for us in the final week of his life. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. He said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat of it and do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Thank you, Lord, for your body. Thank you that it was broken for us. Let it heal our wounds, Lord, and let it bring your forgiveness and let us forgive one another as you, O God, have forgiven us in Christ. And as Jesus lifted up the cup, he said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, given for the remission of sins. Take and do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fruit of the vine that represents your blood that washed us, that we sang about today, that washed us white as snow, washed away every sin, and made us presentable in your presence, Father, that we might bring our petitions and requests before you, and our joy may be full. Father, I just give this people here uh, the benediction and the blessing that their joy will be full.